I thought David was going to preach there. <clears throat> so it's great to be here. I'm just back from America. I got in at 4 a.m. yesterday morning. I don't really feel like jet lag has hit me, but if I make any mistakes, it's hit me really bad, okay? But tonight, I'm talking about Solomon's wealth. We're going through 1 Kings um, chapter 4 and 5, but I'm not going to read all the chapters. Don't worry, okay? But if you don't know who I am, my name is Lawrence. I'm the kids and youth coordinator here. And our theme this year in Kids and Youth is Live Out Loud. If you were with us last month, we, we launched our theme, which we're trying to live out the nine fruits of the Spirit. So love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And the thing behind it is this saying, your actions speak so loud, I can't hear what you're saying. That if people are going to trust our words, well, then they're going to be watching our actions. And as Christians, they should line up. Like the two sides of a train track, they should line up. Otherwise, we can preach the gospel all we want, but if we're living just any way we want, then it's going to just fall on deaf ears. We want to live out loud. This month, we've been talking about love, and that kind of sounds weird because it's October. But we started off with joy because love for life we're coming this month to speak to our young people in the evenings, okay? But... What we're talking about tonight is wealth, and that kind of brings in the danger of loving money. People talk about how money is the root of all evil, but that's kind of mixed up. It's saying the love of money can be the root of evil. And what I've called tonight is balance and blessing. So you've maybe heard a sermon called Battles or Blessings. Um, I've definitely heard a few. Stephen Furtick had one, but tonight I really felt on my heart that God wanted me to talk about balance and Blessing. But we'll start off with our reading from 1 Kings 4, 29 to 34. <clears throat> so it says, God gives Solomon very great wisdom and understanding, and knowledge as vast as the sands of the seashore. In fact, his wisdom exceeded that of all the wise men of the East and the wise men of Egypt. Egypt was known as the center of learning. There were so many wise people there. Solomon was wiser. He was the wiser man than anyone else, including those people there and wherever they were from. His fame spread through all, throughout all the surrounding nations. He composed some 3,000 proverbs and wrote 1,005 songs. He could speak with authority about all kinds of plants, from the great cedar of Lebanon to the tiny hyssop that grows from cracks in a wall. He could also speak about animals, birds, small creatures, and fish. And kings from every nation sent their ambassadors to listen to the wisdom of Solomon. Kind of sounds like the perfect king, but what we're going to talk about tonight is how actually a lot of the things that Solomon accumulated turned his heart away from God. So even though he seemed perfect, uh, well, he wasn't, and none of us are perfect. And as, as Mark alluded to last week, he brought it all back to Jesus, who was the perfect sacrifice for us. As David mentioned, I'm just back from the States. My first ever time in America, I thought it was going really well. I was in London first at a conference, flew to America and thought, well, this is easy. You know, it was fine through London, got to America, got off the, the plane, was kind of thought, oh, this is simple. What are, what are people on about? Like saying it's hard. And then it took two hours to get through customs. Oh my goodness. Um, I had the whole, I, just, I was busting for the toilet because I drink a lot of water, okay? But it was a bit of a mirror. But eventually, after having a nightmare, which I'll explain later, I made it upstate to Albany to, to my cousin's wedding. And here's a picture. Oh, it's so cute. There's me in my suit looking sharp. Um, and it was, it was amazing. 
I wouldn't say it was the perfect day, it was, but it was a beautiful day, and no wedding would be complete without a wee bit of deep dabbing, okay? And <laughs> um, there's me and Luke in our suits deep dabbing. But what I noticed was the contrast between New York City, so the city being the city that never sleeps, and upstate. Because in the city, there wasn't a lot of balance. It was just fast-paced all the time, and it could be really overwhelming. It was a bit of a mirror at times, okay? And there's me in Times Square where there's so many people going about, taxis going mad, beeping their horns, everything. And then you contrast that with upstate where it was just chilled, where actually you could hear yourself think. And it was a difference of them having a balance. They probably seemed a lot happier because of that. And it was, it was just mental. And here's Luke posing with our wealthy movement on tour in America. But I made, a bit, I made a few rookie errors because, well, Solomon is known for his wisdom and I lacked a bit of wisdom at times in the States, I'm not going to lie. Nothing bad, okay? But on the way there, I forgot to bring headphones. I, I flew with Norwegian. They can be a bit cheap, okay? They don't give you free headphones or a pillow or a blanket where Aer Lingus do. Aer Lingus were cool, okay? But on the way there, I had no headphones, so that meant I couldn't watch any movies I was gutted because I love movies and I just had to sit and read a book like David was reading a book. Um, and well, actually I did really enjoy it but I missed out on the movies. But on the way back, Erlingus gave me my free headphones and I watched this film. Has anybody seen Shazam? Yeah? No, not that many people. Okay, I'll explain a wee bit about Shazam. Okay, it's a DC, it's from the DC universe and what happens is there is this young lad who is given these powers to be the superhero called Shazam. And what they're looking for, what this magician is looking for, is someone pure of heart and strong in spirit. Now, this is called, he's called Billy Batson, and he's been through a really rough time. He's been abandoned by his mom. He's been through adversity. He's been through lots of foster homes and things like that. And he's eventually given these powers, which make him this cool superhero. This is him and his mate, okay? But then... Shazam, he is a boy in a superhero's body, okay? Just like Solomon was given all this wealth, all this wisdom, it says that Shazam, he was, he had the wisdom of Solomon, the strength of Hercules, the stamina of Atlas, the power of Zeus, the courage of Achilles, and the speed of Mercury. Kind of sounds like the perfect man, doesn't it? Like we just talked about how Solomon sounded like the perfect king. But actually, he kind of abused his powers because he, he used it to get beer in the off license. He was trying to get famous um, by just doing all, using all his superpowers to look flashy. And eventually, someone says this to him, all this power and all you turned into was a show-off and a bully. And then, life grabs him by the throat. And this bad guy says, so-called perfect man, flawless in every way. And sometimes, maybe you felt this, life grabs you by the throat. The unexpected happens and it just completely displaces your comfort. And then we find out what your character is really like. And at the end, this is a bit of a spoiler alert, what he finds is that it wasn't all about him being famous, that life was about family. Life was about family, about winning that battle together. And spoiler alert with Solomon, if we fast forward, I'm not going to steal whoever's preaching on this in a few weeks, 
But 1 Kings 11, we hear that Solomon, well, his heart turns away from the Lord. It says, Now King Solomon loved many foreign women. Besides Pharaoh's daughter, he married women from Moab, Ammon, Edom, Sidon, and from among the Hittites. The Lord had clearly instructed the people of Israel, you must not marry them because they will turn your hearts to their gods. Yet Solomon insisted on loving them anyway. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines. This is someone who was meant to be wise, okay? And in fact, they did turn his heart away from the Lord. In Solomon's old age, they turned his heart to worship other gods. Instead of being completely faithful to the Lord his God, as his father David had been, Solomon worshipped Asherah, the goddess of the Sidians, and Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. In this way, Solomon did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He refused to follow the Lord completely, as his father David had done. It goes on to say in verses 9, The Lord was very angry with Solomon, for his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. He had warned Solomon specifically about worshiping other gods, but Solomon did not listen to the Lord's command. So now the Lord said to him, since you have not kept my covenant and have disobeyed my decrees, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your servants. But for the sake of your father, David, I will not do this while you're still alive. I will take the kingdom away from your son. And even so, I will not take away the entire kingdom. I will let him be the king of one tribe for the sake of my servant David and for the sake of Jerusalem, my chosen city. What I believe had happened to Solomon was his true north had been knocked off by money, by fame, and eventually by a lot of women, okay? Because he just wanted to accumulate wealth, accumulate fame, and accumulate wives. And that knocked his true north. Instead of pointing towards God, it turned his heart away from God. And something um, unfortunate happened to me because of a lack of wisdom when I was in America. I, I'd got there, I'd reached in my first Airbnb, and then I, was, I had to get up really early to go for the train upstate. So I thought, right, everything's going really well. We've got free Wi-Fi. And then I saw that my phone needed updated. So I thought, well, I'll make use of the Wi-Fi here. I'll update before I leave the house. The problem was it glitched. And I didn't know where I was going in New York. And New York is huge. So what had happened was, I relied too much on technology and it knocked my true north off. I had to rely on people. I just asked these randomers in the street who were walk, you know, running at six in the morning or maybe going to work. And eventually I did make it to my destination, hallelujah. But my phone wasn't working and I arrived two minutes after the train left. That was so annoying. They, they did let me upgrade, but they told me the next available train wasn't until 8.55 that night. It was 8.15. So I was like, right, okay, this is awkward. I'll go and try and go to the Apple store. So I eventually got to this Apple store, which is the only 24-hour Apple store in the world. It had been done up, and I was just walking around like, this is incredible. But I got my phone fixed, and eventually went for the bus and got upstate and didn't miss the wedding. Thankfully, my family over there are going... Really glad that happened because I was groomsman, okay? But gifts and technology is a gift. But when we misuse it, it, be- it can become a barrier to blessing. Like anything, any gift, even if it's a good gift, can become a barrier to blessing or it's an opportunity for obedience. All gifts, I believe, can be these things. That too much of something can then cause it to be a barrier to blessing. Because the wealth that Solomon was given, 
It was from God. God had given him this wealth because he had asked for wisdom. God was pleased, but it became a barrier to blessing when it turned his heart away from God. God was testing him to see if he could trust him. He wasn't trying to chip him up. He was testing him for obedience. And I wonder, we're not just talking about money tonight. It can be anything, any gift that you have been given. You can decide whether it's gonna be an opportunity for obedience or a barrier to the blessing that God does want to give you. It said in 1 Kings 4, Solomon was sovereign over everything, countries and kings, west of the river, Euphrates, those other things. Throughout Solomon's life, everyone in Israel and Judah lived safe and sound, all of them from Dan in the north to Beersheba in the south, content with what they had. Solomon had peace. There was peace in the land, but a lot of that was because of the battles that his dad, how David had fought for Israel. So Solomon was able to live in peace. The kingdom was able to live in peace, but actually one of the barriers to blessing can be too much comfort. And Solomon, even though he was comfortable, it became a barrier to blessing when it made him complacent. And that wasn't a good thing. With gifts, we need, there needs to be a balance between getting and giving. Solomon was just all about getting, so he was tipping the balance. He made it about his gain instead of God's glory. Is there anything here tonight, any gifts that you've been given that you've started to use for your gain instead of for God's glory? Because actually, there's always gonna be trial and there's always gonna be triumph. Because God does want to give us good stuff. There will be times of triumph, there will be mountaintop experiences, but we're probably gonna have to go through some valleys. We're probably gonna have to go through some trials. John 16, says, take heart. He says, in this life you will have trials, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Paul, I love the way he says it in Philippians. He says, I know what it means to lack, and I know what it means to experience overwhelming abundance. I know what it means to live in trial, and I know what it means to live in trial. For I'm trained in the secret of overcoming all things, whether in fullness or, or in hunger, and I find that the strength of Christ's explosive power infuses me to conquer every difficulty. I love this in 1 Corinthians as well. It says, because of the extravagance of those revelations, and so I wouldn't get a big head, I was given the gift of a handicap to keep me in constant touch with my limitations. Satan's angels did his best to get me down. What he in fact did was push me to my knees. No danger then of walking around high and mighty. At first, I didn't think of it as a gift and begged God to remove it. Three times I did that, and then he told me, my grace is enough. It's all you need. Sometimes we just look as, as at gifts as maybe those opportunities for obedience or bars the blessing, but actually the things that, that go wrong can be those things as well because when it's hard, it's then also hard to be obedient. And when we stop being obedient, then that becomes a barrier to blessing. Paul knew what it was to have a thorn in his flesh, but he still gave God the glory. He didn't just live for his gain. He goes on to say, my strength comes into its own in your weakness. Once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. I quit focusing on the handicap and began appreciating the gift. It was a case of Christ's strength moving in on my weakness. Now I take limitations in stride and with good cheer, these limitations that cut me down to size, abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks, I just let Christ take over 
And so the weaker I get, the stronger I become. Like I said, God wasn't trying to trip Solomon up. He was testing him. And he was testing him with a gift, a gift that eventually started a process that turned Solomon's heart away from God because it wasn't just, it didn't just happen in a day. I wonder if you've heard Casting Crown's song, Slow Fade. It was, it was those choices. It talks about be careful little eyes what you see. Be careful little ears what you hear because when flatter leads to compromise, the end is always near. And the gifts that we're given, we're not owners of them. The parable of the talents reminds us that we're not owners, we're stewards of our gifts. And the problem comes when we get possessive of them, when we get possessive of of money, of relationships, instead of, yeah, yeah, it's good to be protective of them, but God doesn't want us to be possessive. And here's another movie um, reference, but if if you've seen Lord of the Rings, the steward of Gondor, he's he's not the king, he's not the rightful king, but he's given the throne as a steward and he becomes possessive of it, and that turns into a bit of a mess because when the rightful king comes, he won't get off the throne. And how many times are we like that with the gifts that God has given us? We we possess them for ourselves, and when the rightful king comes to take his place, we don't want to give up the throne. We don't want to give God his rightful place. We tip the balance between us getting and giving, and it throws us off. It throws us off track. Solomon let money and power replace God at his core. He let money and power replace God, who should be at our core. He let money and power replace that. And if you want better balance, this is physically as well, and mostly and spiritually, you've got to work on your core. I love this we drawn. It's like, I've been working on my core. But the same goes for spiritually. If you think about relationships, God needs to be at the center. He needs to be at our core. Then maybe the next line would be close family, close friends, and then other family, friends, and then acquaintances and others. And the core is the part of something that is central to the existence of our, our character, okay? That's where God needs to be. The problem is, with so many distractions, our core gets blurred. The, but when we don't have boundaries, when we just let everybody have a piece of us, it, it blurs the lines. It means that God is displaced from the core and everything becomes a mess. And we need to start working on our core to get our balance back. And I believe for a lot of us, that needs to start tonight. And it's so important. And one of those things is we need to know what are the barriers to us having balance and what are the bringers of balance. And obviously, yes, reading your Bible, coming to church, praying, those are really important things, but it's not just that. One of the big things I, I, big mistakes I made as a young Christian was I just put all my needs on God, on God, sorry. I put all my needs on God and was just like, you do everything instead of me taking responsibility for my life and my choices. I was just like, God should do everything. And that is cool, okay. Maybe it took faith, but there were silly things. I, I wasn't eating right. I wasn't exercising. I was given just everything over to God instead of taking responsibility for my part and then giving God his place as well. And we need to know what is it, what people even are draining us, what activities that we do are draining us of our balance and then find the things that bring it and do those things as much as you can realistically because 
Not, we're not all going to have jobs that, that give us balance. Some of that could drain us, okay? But that's why it's so important to have the things outside that. That's why it's so important to, to get into the Word, to be around people who, who build you up so that they can give you balance as well. Now, I'm going to get a weird, few weird looks, but the three full days that I was in New York, I went to the gym, okay? And I know some of you are judging me, okay? But it's something that gives me balance. It, it just keeps me balanced, and I, I love doing it. So I thought, well, let's, let's try out some gyms in New York, and it was amazing. The problem was, I went to the gym, then you were doing 30,000 steps a day, and then I never really adjusted to the time in New York, so I was up at 3.30 every morning, and eventually, well, obviously, that has thrown me out of balance, and I've caught the cold, or I've got sick, and I'm not expecting sympathy, but it, it's just... There was obviously things draining me and I was giving a lot out. And so I was out of balance because of the lack of sleep and maybe doing too much. Now, I've no regrets about the gym thing. Maybe should have ate more. I don't know, okay? But we need to find those things that give us balance. I'm not gonna tell you what they are. You need to find out what they are. But just to finish, I just wanna leave four, four thoughts with you. Two things to beware of and then two things to strive for. First one, beware of complacency. I believe Solomon, because of the peace that he experienced, because of the peace in the land, because of the battles that his father had fought for him, he took them for granted and then he became complacent. And sometimes we, we can forget the battles that other people have fought for us, the things that God has fought for us, and then we become complacent. And then we lose our balance, we lose our focus, and we get off track. It's so important that we don't get complacent, that we stay focused, we keep our eyes on Jesus. The second one is beware of compliance. That we don't wanna just comply, we don't wanna just be all head because we find out with Solomon, with the wisdom, he was a head king, whereas David was a heart king. He was a man after, he was a man after God's own heart. But God is more concerned about heart transformation than behavior modification. If you don't understand why you're doing stuff, then it's just religion. Whereas actually, it's meant to be a relationship. It's meant to be a heart thing. It's meant to be that we follow God because we love him and we're following him out of obedience, not just compliance. Then to strive for two more comms because that's, that's the way my mind works. Commitment. Be committed. Be committed to God. Keep choosing him. It's a choice that you have to make every day. You have to make it every day that even if you can't be bothered reading the Bible, even if you've been doing Bible in a year, reading Jeremiah every day was tough going, okay? But we survived. We're through it. We've moved on from Jeremiah. But it was about being committed to it. And we need to stay committed to our walk with God. We need to stay committed to those around us who God has placed in our lives for us to build up and to make sure we're not being the people that are draining other people as well. And the last one is to strive for communion. We're gonna be taking communion here, but I mean, relationship with God. Because the reason why we struggle with, with so much anxiety, depression, is because we are so out of balance. And we need to take time, kind of like upstate in New York, take time not just be at a pace, a rabbit pace all the time, not to be working six and a half days a week where we take time to sit at God's feet and have communion with him, to worship him, to give him the glory because he's worthy.
Strive for communion with God. It's not just about complying. There's so much more that you could experience if you would just give him everything. Give him everything. And it's about, instead of asking for wisdom, which is great, you know, we can see that God was really pleased when Solomon asked for wisdom, but imagine what could have happened if he had asked for faith. And my prayer for everybody here is that we would ask God for faith. Because as you can see from this, yeah, it can be a tightrope. It can be really hard living for God, but God wants us to have faith. And that's how we can sit at his feet, by having faith that he hears us when we pray to him. When we ask him that he is a good father, he has good gifts for us. And then if he says no, we're not yet, it's because he knows better. He knows us inside out and he has a good plan for us. So if given the choice between asking for wisdom and faith, choose faith. And this series that we're doing at the minute is talking about word and spirit. As a young Christian, I was just a conference bouncer. I just bounced between experiences. I just got topped up with the spirit and then never read the word and then wondered why I was empty all the time. God wants us to get the balance between word and spirit. And if we do that, we can live in the fullness of the plan that he has for us. I'm gonna invite the band back up, but I'd love to just, let's just close our eyes and take that time to sit, to sit at his feet and maybe think about the gifts that you've been given and maybe be honest about whether you've become protective or possessive of them, whether you've started to use them for your own gain instead of for God's glory. It could be a relationship, it could be a job, it could be money, it could be power, whatever that is. And I want you to really be honest. There's two times tonight already it's been, been mentioned about having a clean heart, clean hands and a pure heart. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Those with clean hands and pure hearts. And God, thank you so much for the example of Solomon. Thank you that he had so much wisdom you give him a discerning heart. And while, yes, we, we want that, I pray most of all we would want clean hands and a pure heart. Would you give us faith? Give us faith to trust what you say. Give us faith to trust your plans, to trust that you know better, even when it's hard, even when we want to take back control. Help us to trust you with it, to know that you're a good father, and I pray as we come around your table that we would take that time, that we would get rid of the barriers, we would give you your hearts fully, God. Give us clean hands and pure hearts.